Welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 10.45 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. If you're a visitor, welcome. It's good to have you guys part of our family. Uh, we call ourselves a family, and so by default, you're here. You're part of the family today. Um, we uh, started a series last week called Jesus Moved Into the Neighborhood, and uh, it's crazy to think that Christmas is just around the corner, but uh, man, we started this, and Pastor Ryan kicked it off last uh, week, and he did an awesome job, and he talked about um, the implications of a real God sending his real son uh, to do the work on the cross for us, the manger, the whole bit that this real God sent a real Jesus. And because of that, there's real implications in a life, amen? And, and so he just really kind of stirred our hearts to go, what does this real implication a real God, flesh and bone, a real God sending Jesus Christ um, as flesh and bone. I mean, as God incarnate into planet Earth, what does that mean then for you and I? How, how does that apply to our life? What's the implications of that? And so he did just a great job with that. And uh, he shared out of John chapter 1, uh, verse 14, and that's kind of been our theme for this Jesus moved into our neighborhood uh, series. And John chapter 1, 14 says, so the word became human and made his home among us. Or it also says the word became human and dwelt among us, dwelt among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. We have seen his glory, the glory of the Father, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. And uh, the, the message translation breaks it down like this, and this is kind of where we got our topic from. In verse 14 of the message translation, it says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood, amen? The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. And so Ryan kind of shared a little bit of like what would it, you know, neighbors that he's had in the past and, and different things and how we kind of look at, at neighbors that we've had. And as I was writing this message, I was just trying to picture in my mind, like what would it be like for Jesus, Jesus Christ to move into our neighborhood? Like I just, I'm an, I like imagery. And so like I picture the angels standing up there and, and, and they're hearing God dis, you know, discuss with the Trinity, like, okay, it's time for you to go. And, and, and Jesus is like, I don't know, maybe he's packing stuff. I don't know what he's got, right? But he's getting ready to, to come down. And I just picture the angels going, Jesus, like, what are you doing, man? We're, you're moving and we've got like this gated community up here. Like, what are you, right? And not just any gated, it's a pearly gated community, right? And so Jesus is like, it's my time. It's my time to go. And so Jesus comes down and he moves into our neighborhood, scripture says. And I just picture like, what would the implications of Jesus being in your cul-de-sac look like, all right? Or Jesus being on your straight street, whatever it is. I don't know where you live, right? What would the implications of Jesus moving into your neighborhood look like? I mean, first of all, you got this feathered hair, nice Jesus. All the guys would be envious of his beard, probably. He's constantly wearing like a white robe with a sash on it. You're like, what is up with the dude's outfit, right? But he's so darn nice, right? He's constantly getting yard of the month, all right, right? He's got all of the things that just are kind of attractional to you. Some cul-de-sacs would be like, Jesus, can you do the whole water into wine thing for us, right? Stop, all right, stop. Like all of these things that Jesus could do when he moves into your neighborhood, think of the implications of what that really looks like. When I picture Jesus moving in the neighborhood, one of the pictures that I get is Jacob Hall. Jake, could you stand up for a minute? Like, come here, come here a second, brother. Come on, in fact, just come on up here. Like, this is what I picture. Like, when G yeah. Jesus moves into the neighborhood, this is what I picture. 
Little bit longer beard, all right? Little bit longer beard. And I mean, you could have been married with a new baby this year. But, but here's what I picture. And so I want you to know, Jacob's like part of our family and uh, my kids, he's always speaking life into my kids. And they've termed this thing with Jacob now all the time because Jacob's always trying to share his heart of Jesus going, do you guys really think, you, is that what Jesus would want for you? And now they're like, oh, thanks, urban Jesus. That's what they call him now. So thank you. I appreciate that, Jacob. Like, what would it look like if urban Jesus, real Jesus, came down, right, and moved into your neighborhood? It would change everything. It would change everything about what you do because he would become the epicenter of your neighborhood. And so we have this picture in our minds when we talk about the Christmas story that here's God, the God of the universe, the God over all, the God seated on the highest throne, no God above him, the God of all, and he steps down in human form. I just want you to picture this for a minute. Here is God becoming one with the vulnerability of his creation. The God who sustains all the things, the God who needs no help, the God who is perfectly sustainable inside of himself, and he steps down into the vulnerability of his creation. Here is God not just becoming one with us. Listen to this, church. Not just God becoming one with us, but, be, but, but God becoming one of us. Because scripture says he was fully God, 100%, and fully human, 100%. So God stepping down from his throne and becoming not just one with us, but one of us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. You know, that, that verse in John 14, John 1, 14, that verse, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. There's two things with that. One, the word became flesh. And I'm trying to wrap my mind around this. Man was made from the dust of the earth. And you've got the God of the universe, clothed in splendor, clothed in glory, constantly surrounded by these elders in heaven and angels in heaven that are constantly over day and night, night and day, day and night, night and day, telling him how glorious you are, how holy you are, how majestic you are, over and over and over again. And this God of heaven peers down into humanity's brokenness and says, I'm taking off of my robes, I'm taking off my kingly robes, and I'm putting on the humanity's flesh, brokenness vulnerability. I'm putting it on. This God taking that, 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 that godly nature, as it says in scripture, his divine nature, taking that off and putting on the flesh and the vulnerability of humanity. And I just think, oh my goodness, he takes off his king's robe and he puts on a servant's robe. A corrupted nature that we corrupted and yet he stayed righteous. And the second part of that, it says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word dwelt in the Greek comes from the word a tent. So literally what it means is this, God became human and he pitched his tent among us, right? He's like, look, I'm going to come, I'm going to live where you live. I'm going to dwell where you dwell. I'm going to do life where you do Life And look, he knows our neighborhood. He knows the brokenness and the loneliness. He knows the grieving. He knows the anxieties. He knows the hurting, and yet he still chose to come to our neighborhood. So, so what I want to do today with this, and this, just this concept of God stepping down in that, what I want to do is I want to pick up this idea that when we think of Christmas, what I want you to think of when you think of Christmas is, a restore, is that Christmas is about restoring our access to God the Father's heart. Amen restoring our access. Somebody say access. access. 
restoring our access to God the Father. Now, let me tell you why this is so important. Because, see, I think when we think of Christmas time and we think of all the things with Christmas, we think of the manger scene and, and how lovely the manger scene is. And we think of the nativity and the animals that were around it. We think of, you know, oh, holy night, silent night, the first Noel. And we just kind of get that goosebump like by the fire with our coffee cups. And we're just kind of in the moment. We think of the baby. We think of peace. We think of all of this. But let me tell you what Christmas was. Christmas was God declaring war on Satan. Amen? Christmas was God declaring war on the brokenness of humanity. Christmas was God peering down from heaven and saying, I am sick and tired of the strategies and the lies and the schemes of the devil, and I'm coming to break it. You see, we talk the manger, and we, we, we like the manger, we sip our cocoa as we sit by the manger, but Christmas was God declaring war on brokenness, church. And we've got to get this down because it's important for us. Jesus said in 1 John, John told us what Jesus said. Jesus says, I came to destroy, somebody say destroy. Destroy the works of the devil. And sometimes we're so focused on how he came that we forget why he came. And so Christmas, we celebrate how he came and we do the whole thing. And I get it. Man, it's fun and I like it and I love the manger. I love the nativity. I love carols. I love all of that. But I love that God declared war on Satan. God declared war on Satan. God declared war on his lies and his schemes and his strategies. It was God being done with the mess that we had made, and he's coming to fix it. That's why he tore open the heavens, man. I, I don't know if it was a silent night or not. You know, you've heard the discussion. Was it really a silent night? I have no idea, but I picture heaven being torn open when Jesus came. Torn open. And God stepping down in that brokenness and the devil going, what did I just do, Right? Access is a big deal. Jesus came, and it's not just about how he came, it's why he came. Jesus came to give us access. He declared war on Satan to give us access back to God. He came to give us access back to God. Have you ever tried to get into something and you were denied access? Anybody? that you know you were supposed to have access to? Does that bother you? Like you, you have passwords that you put in and it says invalid, try again. Does that tick people off? That's because we, we all usually use the same password. We just changed a couple of numbers. Anybody like that, right? Like I was talking to first service and my dad. My dad is the most ridiculous password guy in the world. He's, his passwords are like Dennis Wallace 23. And I'm like, dad, what's the 23? He goes, well, I have 23 chickens. And I said, well, what if one chicken dies? And he's like, well, that's a valid point. I don't know. I mean, do you, Dennis Wallace 22, is that what, I mean, you know what I'm talking about? And so we, we, we don't like when we are denied access, and so passwords or whatever it is that can deny us these access to different things. Let me, let me read to you what access is and why it's important. Access is defined by permission, liberty, or ability to enter, approach, or pass to and from a place or communicate with a person or a thing. I'm gonna read that again. This is why access is so important. We need access in our life. Permission, liberty, or ability to enter, approach, or pass to and from a place, or communicate with a person or a thing. And so what's happened here, church, is we need access to God and the enemy's trying to limit that, amen? We, we, we need access to God and the enemy's still trying to remind us that we're sinners and we don't have access to God, which we're gonna talk about here in just a minute. 
Jesus came to declare war on that lie. Jesus came to declare war on that strategy. Jesus came at Christmas time to declare war on the access that the enemy says you have limited to with God. He, he came to declare war on that. And church, today, my prayer is that before you leave this place, you'll know that you have unlimited access to God. This is why this is such a big deal. Because up to this point, we were hopeless people. Up to this point, before the manger, we were hopeless people. Before God stepped into our mess, we were hopeless people. Ephesians 2.12 says, in those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. You did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world. Somebody say, without. without. Say, without. without. Without God, without hope. Before the manger for you and I, man, we lived in this world without God, without hope. Isaiah 59, 2 says, but your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that, so, so that he will not hear. We were, we were split. We were separated from God because of our sin. Colossians 1, this includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and Actions. Let me tell you why this is such a big deal, church, because there's many of us that are still living in this state of mind. Jesus came to declare war on that lie. We are, we are not living in this mind. There was a time that we were hopeless. Now we have hope. This is crucial for us to understand. If we are going to break free from seeing Christmas as just a baby in the manger with some animals and some shepherds around. And I'm not knocking that scene. Again, I love that scene. There's a reason it's in the Bible. There's a cool picture of what it looked like. And I think we're supposed to understand that cool picture of what it looks like. But I think we're under, supposed to understand something much more than just how he came, but why he came. He came, and it's critical that we understand that it wasn't just as a baby in a manger with some animals and shepherds around. He came because we did not have full access to God. He came because we did not have full access to God, and this is exactly what Satan wanted. From the time of Adam and Eve's fall, the, the, the access from that moment when they had fallen and sin had entered in, that access had gone. And so from the fall, you guys know the story of the Garden of Eden where they sinned and they took the fruit, and, and because of that, they had to leave the garden. From that moment, the access that we once had, the full access to God was gone. Now, God still walked with them, in terms of he was up there taking care of them, but that access that each one of us had to God was gone. Where they once walked with God in the cool of the morning, where they once had direct communication with God, that was gone because of the sin and brokenness that we had in our lives. And it's for this reason, it's for this reason, Satan in his mind wants to stop at nothing to make you and I believe that we still don't have access. That there is still this limited partnership with God. Listen, I believe this. Satan's okay if you're sitting out there today and you know that you've got limited access, but you don't have full access. He's okay if you know a little bit about God, but you don't have the fullness of God. Church, I'm telling you right now that it's Christmas time that we're supposed to understand the fullness of God stepped into our life in Jesus Christ. And it's for this reason Satan would stop at nothing to kill this child. It's for this reason that Satan would, Satan would stop at nothing to kill this God incarnate, stepped down to humanity in Jesus Christ. He knew this. Satan knew that King Jesus on planet Earth meant his end. He knew it. This was an all-out war on him. And because God declared war on him, Satan declared war on us. And the way he declares war on us is simply to try to get in here 
what we know in here to say that what we know in here is not is not what we're going to live or is not how we're going to live, that we have limited access up here, that I cannot boldly approach the throne. I know too many believers who are living their life this way that, you know what, I know some people, man, they're good enough to go before the Lord, but it, I, I can't. I don't have that kind of access. And so Satan would do it anything he could to kill this child. Look at Matthew 2, 13 says, after the wise men had gone and the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. The angel said, stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is gonna search for the child to kill him. From the moment that Jesus took his first breath to the last time he took his breath, let me tell you, Satan was after him. Whether it was through religious leaders or Pharisees or King Herod or whoever it was through, Satan was after trying to take Jesus out. But what was he was trying to do in terms of killing him, Jesus was gladly going to do it in obedience to God so that we could no life. What Satan thought was going to be the end of him was actually the beginning of us. Amen? And so this is why this is so important for us to understand the meaning of Christmas today. The start of this whole thing with Christmas is not the baby in a manger. The start of this whole thing of Christmas is not shepherds and wise men. All of that is wonderful and it's great, but the start of the whole meaning of Christmas is that God was about to break in to give you and I full access to the kingdom. And we need to buy into that today. He knew what Jesus would do when he came on planet Earth. He knew that Jesus would come to open the door that Satan tried to shut between man and God. Jesus came to restore our access back to the Father. This is the start of the Christmas story because from this moment, everything that Jesus did on planet Earth pointed back to the Father's heart for you and I. Everything that Jesus did, everything that Jesus said, everything that Jesus did was for you and I to have our hearts drawn back to the Father's heart. Do you guys hear that? That's why Jesus constantly said, everything I do, it's because I've seen my Father doing it. Everything I say, it's because I've seen my Father say it. So everything that Jesus did at that moment was for you and I to come back into relationship with the God of the universe that loves us. He was restoring access to the Father. The whole point, I'm going to say it one more time, just in case you missed it, the whole point of Jesus coming to planet Earth was to set back in balance, to restore the order in which God created each of us in relationship in. He didn't come to make life easier, amen? Well, that was weak. He didn't come to make life easier, amen? Okay, let's, let's do this side. He didn't come to make life easier. I just want to make sure we're all on the same page on that. He did not come to make life easier. He came to restore. He came to restore the access that we have with Father God. This may be one of the most misunderstood ideas in the Christian life. This idea that, you know what, I can kind of partially live my life with Christ and kind of partially live it for myself. Or this idea that, you know what, maybe God loves me a little bit, but he doesn't full out love me until he comes back. I, I don't know. I think it's one of the most misunderstood ideas in the Christian life that you and I, that you and I have direct access to the Holy of Holies, to the place where God is seated. We have direct access to that. And let me tell you why I think it's one of the misunderstood things. Because if, if this is true, if as a believer, I believe that the God of the universe who created all things, the reason we're in here today, the reason we've got breath in our lungs today, if the God of the universe who created all things is saying, Aaron, you can come boldly before me. Aaron, you can come face to face with me. Aaron, you can come into my throne room. If we truly were to believe that and buy into that, it would be our life's goal every single day and nothing else would matter. Amen? Amen. 
But because of the affections of everything else that we have in our hearts, the affection of self, the affection of wants, the affections of whatever, things that dangle in front of us with that shiny care, whatever it is, those affections sometimes put that veil in front of us and we don't feel like we can go in. That's why this is pinnacle to me. I think this is one of the most important things that we can talk about when we talk about Christmas. Because if we understood it, it would be the pursuit of all of us in this room every day of our life to sit in the throne room of the King of Kings. David wrote about it. He says, I would rather dwell in the house of the Lord for a day than a thousand years elsewhere. If I could be in the presence of God for a day, I would take that than a thousand years elsewhere. And so it would be our heart's goal and our heart's desire to chase after that. And so you have God... And he's up in heaven, and he's like, man, these guys have really missed it, and they just keep messing up, and they have no desire for me, and sin just continues to run wild, and, and, and you just picture God. He's having this, maybe this moment, and he's like, man, there needs to be punishment, because Romans says the wages of sin is death. There's got to be punishment. Like, the wages of what they're doing is death. So here's what I'm going to do. They deserve to be punished because of their sin. So here's, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take that which they deserve, and I'm going to put it on myself through my son Jesus. And as I'm writing this down this week, I'm picturing what this looks like in my own family as a father. So I call my kids to, to me, and I'm like, you guys are driving me crazy. You're, you're, you're disobeying. You're, you're not paying attention. Somebody needs to get a spanking, all right? So go ahead. I'm ready, right? Like, does that make sense to anybody in here? Because that never happened with my father, Amen. I just, it's hard for me to picture what that looks like because it's, it goes against everything within us. You, you did this, you did this, you've been walking in disobedience, you've been doing this, somebody's got to be punished, so go ahead as your father, go ahead, it's my turn. It's, it's ludicrous when you think of it, yet the God of the universe sees himself in that light. And so God in all of his fullness steps off of his throne in Jesus Christ, and if you picture nothing else, if you just stop right there, if you have no other picture of Christmas, that right there should tell you that you're valued. That the God of the universe, who needs nothing, encamped with people around him day and night, night and day, talking about his glory. Hang on, guys. I've got broken kids that I gotta go find. If nothing else, that right there should show you your value in him. Steps down and he wraps himself in flesh and becomes the baby in the manger that we talk about. And he takes on that flesh that has shame and guilt on it that we've produced and he lives righteous. 100% perfect. Is without sin and without spot and without wrinkle. God enthroned in all. And I just picture the angels in heaven when Jesus first begins to step off the throne going, what's he doing? And then they remember, oh yeah, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And you get the picture now why it says in scripture that all of creation has been waiting for this moment. All of creation has been waiting for the moment where humanity will be able to step foot into the presence of God again through Jesus Christ. Nothing else matters. All of creation has grown for this moment with the God of the universe because they know what's coming. And it's been God's plan for eons and eons before the world was created. They know what's coming. 
For eons and eons, they've been waiting for the moment where humanity, broken and marred just in every possible way, just in, in chaos inside of themselves, would be able to now step in front of the throne of God and appear without spot or blame or blemish. Amen? Because Jesus Christ came. And, he, and here's how. I want to I just I wanna show you this. I want to tie this into you, and it's a kind of tie this whole thing in together. It's, it's, a, it's a bit Easter-ish, but I promise you it's Christmas, okay? And so if you go back to the Old Testament, you've got the tabernacle and you've got the temple set up and, and the tabernacle that they built in the Old Testament was to follow the pattern of the temple in heaven. In fact, Revelations eleven nineteen says, then in heaven, the temple of God was opened and the ark of the covenant could be seen inside the temple. And so the picture that God had given Moses how to build the, the tabernacle and, and for later on how to build the temple was this picture of what it looks like in heaven. And so You've got these different chambers in, in, in the tabernacle and in the temple. In that first chamber, you walk through this curtain, and that's just called the holy place. And various people could go in there, priests and, and, and different things that were doing different sacrifices and whatnot. But that second chamber, back there where you kind of see the box, that was called the holy of holies. That's where God's presence was said to have dwelt. He said, I will come and, and be in that place when you come in. Right, Because there was separation between man and God. And so God says, when you come into that place to make atonement for sin, to make sacrifice for sin, I'll be in that place. And so behind that curtain, one person, one time a year could go in, and it was a priest that they had been selected, the high priest. And he would have to go through all of these ceremonial, ceremonial things, purifying themselves and washing their hands and all these things. And then they would fill that room with incense. No natural light could come into that room. So it was barely lit, Incense would fill the room so they couldn't see because they could not lay eyes on the holiness of God in that place. And the, and, the, and the priest would come in. One priest at one time would come in and they would sprinkle the blood of whatever the sacrifice was on, on the, the, the Ark of the Covenant. And, and in that moment, it was supposed to make the atonement for the sin of all the people of Israel. And this is what it looked like to have the tabernacle set up. Once time, one time a year, one priest would go in and make atonement for the sin of the people. Now, here's the crazy thing. No one else could go in. In fact, there's different reports of this. I don't know where they get this from, but they, they had talked about there was a time where they would tie a rope or a string to some of the priests that would go in, that one priest that would go in, because if they were to die, they had to get them out. Nobody else could go in. And so it was the holiest of holy places, and no one could go in but that one priest representing all of Israel at the time. The punishment to go into the Holy of Holies was death if you were not that person. This was a problem, man, because the people didn't have access to God. And then something happened on Christmas. Something happened while we celebrate this season. God looking down at that system, God looking down and seeing that this one person was going in and he wants relationship with all of his kids. God's going, man, that's a that's a system that's got to change. That's never the way that I desired it to be. And so we read in Isaiah 14 that it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin, will give you a, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and we will call him Emmanuel, God with us. The promise of God saying, I'm going to come and redeem, which was once broken. The declaration that that veil that was there, that veil, that temple curtain that was there separated all of us from coming and dwelling with all of God. 
Emmanuel, God with us, comes and he gives his life. And the scripture says, and if you read about Jesus, when he gave up his life and he was crucified and he says, it is finished, scripture records that the temple curtain, the veil that was in the Holy of Holies, that was dividing the holy place, the temple curtain was torn in two. The temple curtain was torn in two. It's significant that the veil was torn in two because what that says is the minute that that thing was torn in two, that access that only one person can have was ripped in half and God's presence would no longer be in a dwelling place of a one-room place, but now would be for all of us. Amen, church? This is how God declared war. This is what Christmas is all about. God declares war and says, you have access to me now. Man, we, we celebrate the nativity. I love it. We celebrate the manger. I love it. But there's so much more behind it. Emmanuel, God with us. The temple curtain, the veil has been torn from top to bottom so we can enter in now. Listen to Hebrews 10, 19. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new life-giving way through the curtain to the most holy place. Jesus was the veil to the Holy of Holies. Jacob, will you pull that around for me there? Jesus was the veil to the most Holy of Holies. And through his death, the faithful now have free access to God. Jesus, through his death, has removed the barriers between God and man. And now we may approach him with confidence and boldness. Listen to Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us, everybody say us, come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we'll receive mercy and we'll find grace to help us when we need it the most. Jesus paid for our access. So my question, church, is are we using it? Jesus paid for our access to the fullness of God. My question is, are we using our full access? Are we still looking at the baby in the manger from behind the scenes, from afar? Are we coming to see what Jesus did? I I like imagery. And so I want you to picture this for just a moment here. I want you to picture that in front of this manger scene, this is the veil. This is the veil to the temple. And there's a lot of people that are still back here. And they know God is right here on this other side. They know it. And they're back here. And there's people that are not entering through because of a couple of different things. They know on this side right here, what if I come through and there's shame? What if I come through and there's guilt? What if I come through and there's accusation against me? I just don't know if I could handle that. Some of you out there going, if I come through this veil right here, I know who God is, and that's what scares me. God's going to call me to do something radical, and I don't know if I'm ready for that yet. There are people, man, that don't want to come through the veil because you feel so much shame and guilt. There are people that don't want to come through the veil and have full access to God because you know that God's going to radically change your life. You know that God's going to radically give you a purpose that you've never had before. And let's just be honest, it scares you, amen? It would scare any of us, but I'm telling you that what's on this side will always be better than what's on this side. And so what we see here is that Jesus gives up his life. He says it is finished, and something happened, the veil torn in two. Where shame and guilt and condemnation once held you back, freedom and access to the fullness of God, healing, power, trusting him in every single thing in life, joy, peace, love can be yours in Jesus Christ. 
And yet we're still sitting back here at the manger scene, ooing and on. Oh my goodness. I'm like six foot two. We're still sitting back here in the manger scene going, Merry Christmas. We've got our mug of, of coffee and we're enjoying baby Jesus. And Jesus goes, I'm not a baby in a manger. I came as a warrior king. came and I declared war on Satan. I came and I set you free. So why are you not entering into the access of God the Father, the fullness of who he is? Church, listen to this. Band, you guys can come up if you want. Listen to this. Psalm 107, 14. Jesus, he's talking about Jesus. His light broke through the darkness. He led us out in freedom from death's dark shadow. He snapped every one of the chains. So lift your hands and give thanks to God for his marvelous kindness, for his miracles of mercy, for those he loves. For he smashed, somebody say smashed, through heavy prison doors and shattered the steel bars that held us back just to set us free. Jesus came to give you access behind the veil. What once you could not go behind, he came to give you access. We need to know this this Christmas. This is why the angels declared glory to God in the highest, joy to all men. May his peace rest upon you because they knew what you were about to get into. They knew the implications of what it looked like for Jesus to come. What they always had access to, the hope and the healing and the restoration of Jesus, you and I have. 2 Corinthians 3. It's one of our favorite scriptures. I'll read it a lot in here. I love it. But it changes everything when you think about it this way. When everyone turn, when, but whenever, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. The veil which once said you can't go to God. The lie that said you can't go to God. Whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Spirit, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed in His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Let me tell you what that means. When you were once back there behind that veil and you open that veil and you lay eyes on Jesus, you become more and more and more like him. When you see God, you become more and more and more like him in his image. If you remember in Genesis, let's create man and woman in our image. We marred that image. Christmas came to restore that image, amen? And so here's what I want you to do today, church. We've got some time and so I want you to know the access to the God of the universe, not limited access. I want you to know access to the Father's heart. I want you to know that Jesus came and he made a way so that you and I don't have to sit behind the veil any longer. He came and he made a way for somebody to receive healing. He came and he made a way for somebody to receive life. He came and he made a way for somebody to receive deliverance. He came in a way for somebody to be blessed. He came and he made a way for somebody to find his love. He came and he made, he made a way. He opened up access. And so I'm asking you guys, if you're out there today and you feel like you've had limited access, you feel like this curtain has been closed up, and back here, you're just contemplating things. You're just going, God, I'm so full of shame and doubt and fear and worry. 
God, I want to restore my marriage, but I just, I don't have access to you. God, I, I, I want to be a better man. I want to be a better woman, but I just don't know. God, I know you so well that the minute that I walk through this, God, I just feel like you're going to give me something so radical. I just, I'm just nervous about that. And you're sitting behind this curtain. God is asking you to rend the curtain because he did it. And so for me, I, I'm a symbolism person. I, I, I like to show that symbol in my life. And so here's what we're going to do. In just a moment, we're going to close out with worship. And if that's you and you need to come over here, maybe you need to come with a spouse if you're struggling. Maybe you need to come individually. Maybe you need to come because fear and doubt and worry just grip your life. Maybe you need to come and you need to walk through the veil. You need to walk through the curtain. You need to make a declaration on Christmas that yes, this is an awesome scene, but what you love is what that scene produced. Maybe you need to walk through the veil and say, God, I'm done with shame and I'm done with guilt and I've got access to the Father. Maybe you need to walk through and say, God, I'm done with broken relationships. I'm done with hurts. I'm done holding unforgiveness. I'm done holding anger. I'm done holding offense towards people and you need to break free because you've got access to the Father. If that's you today and there's something stirring in your heart where you know just mentally you need access and you've got to come through this thing, you declare it right here, God, I am done with whatever, and you walk through. Just symbolize it in your heart and let God do a work in you. So I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes this morning. We're going to close out with prayer and give you an opportunity to do that. So Heavenly Father, this morning, Jesus, we are believing that you came on Christmas, not just as a baby in a manger for us to ooh and ah at, you came at Christmas to declare war on the strategies and the lies of the devil. You came, God, to declare war on brokenness because you're a God of healing and wholeness. You came to declare war on unforgiveness because you're a God of forgiveness. You came to declare war on those who feel unloved because you are a God of love. You came to declare war, Jesus, on those who feel like they've been accused because you came to set the captives free. Today, God, you came to declare war on all of the things, God, that we've bought into in our hearts that are not of you because, Jesus, you're a God of freedom. And so today, God, I pray that somebody knows that behind the veil where they've been sitting, if they would just see that the veil has been torn in two, it's been rendered, it's been ripped, it's been broken, that if they just walk through, they've got access to the God of the universe who saves and redeems and renews and restores and builds and gives life and breath and being and purpose. And so, Jesus, we speak this over every person in this place today. May we all walk through the veil and know, Jesus, that you came and you paid the price that we could have access to the Father's heart. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.